This program is brought to you by Preserve Gold, the number one precious metals IRA provider. Call 855-962-3322. The DOJ has now ended a China initiative, seeing one of its most high-profile sentences yet. A former Harvard scientist is headed for house arrest. That's after six felony counts for hiding his ties to a Chinese university. He worked with the institute through Beijing's infamous Thousand Talents program, later admitting aspirations for a Nobel Prize. Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. The ruling is in for a former Harvard University nanoscientist, and he's headed for house arrest. That plus $83,000 in fines are his punishment for concealing his ties to China's state-run talent recruitment program. Charles Lieber formerly chaired Harvard's Department of Chemistry and Chemical Biology. He was found guilty in December 2021 of six felony counts, including making false statements, filing false tax returns, and failing to report a foreign bank account. Beijing uses its Thousand Talents program to lure innovators from around the world, boosting the country's development. Under it, Lieber worked with the Wuhan University of Technology. He was paid up to 50000 per month, plus nearly 158000 in living expenses. Participation in the Thousand Talents isn't illegal, but prosecutors point to his lying about it while accepting $15 million in U.S. research grants. He admitted that wanting to win a Nobel Prize had been his chief motivation. Here's his sentence, two days in jail, which he had served after his arrest, two years of supervised release with the first six months under house arrest, a $50,000 fine plus over $33,000 in restitution to the IRS, which Lieber paid before sentencing. Lieber's attorney had asked the judge to spare his client prison time, citing his blood cancer prognosis. The case is among the highest profile from the Justice Department's now-defunct China initiative. The Trump administration launched it in 2018 to curb economic espionage and intellectual property theft from China. Another court case is sharing that spotlight. A former Fuji's rapper found guilty of helping China influence the U.S. A jury on Wednesday convicted Pras Michel of felonies linked to illegal lobbying campaigns conducted by foreign agents like China. The campaigns aim to influence the U.S. government. Here's a closer look. Rapper Pras Michel from the 90s group The Fugees was convicted of criminal charges on Wednesday, linked to campaigns meant to influence the U.S. government, including one on behalf of China. His lawyer told reporters outside the Washington courthouse that he was extremely disappointed after the jury found Michelle guilty of 10 felony counts. They include conspiracy, acting as an agent of a foreign government, witness tampering and falsifying campaign finance records. It followed a trial that was filled with political intrigue and featured high-profile testimonies from Hollywood star Leonardo DiCaprio to former Attorney General Jeff Sessions. Michelle was accused of taking millions of dollars from Malaysian businessman Jolo in exchange for plotting to influence the administrations of Presidents Barack Obama and Donald Trump. Lowe remains at large. He faces separate federal charges in New York for allegedly embezzling billions from Malaysia's 1MDB sovereign wealth fund. 
During the trial, prosecutors said the Grammy Award-winning rapper became desperate for cash in 2012 and found a solution through Lowe. They said Michelle funneled about $2 million from the Malaysian financier into Obama's re-election campaign that year, masking the money's foreign source. They also accused Michelle of trying to push the Trump-era Justice Department to scrap civil and criminal probes into Lowe over the 1MDB scandal. And said he tried to lobby the government on behalf of China to send Chinese billionaire and dissident Guo Wenguei back there. Thanks, guys. Thank on you. Wednesday, Michelle's lawyer said, disappointment aside, he remained, quote, enormously confident that the rapper would ultimately prevail. The prosecution and defense have until July to handle a number of post-trial motions, including a request for the judge to acquit Michelle despite the jury's verdict. Illegal immigrants traversing the southern border and entering the U.S. Now, officials say a record high number of Chinese are joining them. Next, our exclusive interview with a single mother from mainland China. She told us about her journey to America together with her son and described crossing the Texas-Mexico border. Let's dive into her story. A single mom using the alias Sophie and her nine-year-old son survived a month of deadly circumstances getting to the Texas-Mexico border. They came all the way from Shandong Province, China, hoping to find freedom. Sometimes it was too difficult along the route, but thinking about the Communist Party, I absolutely couldn't go back. According to Sophie, Chinese people call this process Zhou Xi'an, or walk the route in English, which means being smuggled into the U.S. through Central and South America and Mexico. She says on the road, gangs or even the police would target Chinese people to search for money, sometimes stripping them naked. When we arrived by bus, we were told a good contact would pick us up, but it turned out it was members of a gang who picked us up. It was nighttime and we walked through the street to a hut. People there began to check our identities. Later, we were led through streets and alleys, and we arrived at another place. They began to check our luggage and ordered us to hand over our money and our mobile phones. He said he would arrange for us to cross the river the next day, but the next day he told us very seriously that each person still owed $1,800. He said that if I didn't pay, he would take my son away and I would never see him again. And then he pulled out a gun and threatened me. Sophie says all the migrants suffered inhumane conditions. Within 20 days, they traveled across the ocean, up the mountains and through the fields and the jungle before getting to a Mexican city near the Rio Grande River. In a small room of 20 square feet, three or four of us Chinese were locked up, along with South Americans, adults, and children. A dozen people were crowded into this room. There were no bed. You could only sleep on the floor. We couldn't leave and we couldn't turn on the lights. We were locked in this small dark room, without windows, waiting for news. Later, we paid a ransom money and the cost of crossing the river before he let us out. After crossing the river, Sophie, her son, and others met Border Patrol agents who then registered their information. She says not everyone was as lucky, and many others died along the route. When I decided to come out of China, I thought, I'd rather lose my life on the road, because the Communist Party makes life unbearable in this evil regime. 
The CCP treats us like livestock. At any time, it wants your money, wants your parts, your organs. It can pull one out and cut it off, then empty your bank account. People are erased like numbers. It's terrible. You have no freedom. You have no freedom of speech, no freedom of belief, no basic right of life. Sophie hopes that being in the U.S. and free of the CCP's control, her son can grow up happy. She is looking for legal help to stay in the U.S. and start a new life. Reported by Brenda Chen, NTD News. A video from the Darien Gap recently emerged online. It highlights the dangers of the jungle between Colombia and Panama. It's a treacherous landscape through which illegal immigrants journey to reach the U.S. southern border. And now hundreds of Chinese people are making the journey daily. Most of them shown in the video are young military-aged men. A territorial face-off in the South China Sea. On Sunday morning, a Chinese Coast Guard ship cut off a Philippine patrol vessel, causing a near collision. Footage shows that the Philippine vessel, while approaching a disputed shoal, was warned by a Chinese Coast Guard to leave the area. The Chinese crew said the waters fell under what they called China's indisputable sovereignty. China has indisputable sovereignty over islands in the South China Sea and their adjacent waters. In response, the Filipinos radioed back, asserting their own territorial claim in the area and demanding that the Chinese Coast Guard let them pass. In accordance with international and Philippine national laws, we are proceeding according to our plan book. Request to stay clear from our passage in accordance with the pollution regulations. Over. After a few exchanges, the Chinese Coast Guard ship warned of an unspecified counteraction. As the vessel moved closer to the shoal, the Chinese ship suddenly crossed its bow, blocking the planned route. The abrupt action brought the two ships into a near collision. To ensure safety, the Philippine Coast Guard threw the vessel in reverse, then shut off its engine. The ship's commodore said it was the closest he had seen two ships from opposing naval forces come to a collision. It is quite surprising that they are still disregarding the collision regulation, in which they are also a signatory state. It just goes to show that the Chinese have always been ignoring the international law. The Philippine vessel left the area following the near brush. The South China Sea is a crucial location for maritime trade. It also holds strategic military importance. In 2012, China asserted its nine-dash line, a far-reaching claim to maritime territory in the area. That was an attempt to label the Scarborough Shoal its own. The Philippines was first to claim the area. China formally arresting a Taiwan political activist. This comes over eight months after he was detained and amid heightened tensions across the Taiwan Strait. The activist's name is Yang Zhiyuan. Chinese authorities detained him hours after then-House Speaker Nancy Pelosi wrapped up her visit to Taipei. During Pelosi's visit, Beijing fired missiles and kicked off military drills, encircling Taiwan by sea. After disappearing into police custody, there was no news about Yang for months. That's until this Tuesday, when Chinese authorities announced that Yang's arrest had been approved on secession charges. Taiwan has reached out to the mainland about Yang, but has not received a direct response. Taiwan authorities maintain that he's innocent.
As the world reels from years of COVID-19, what has become of the missing whistleblowers who first exposed the outbreak in China? Fang Bing was one of the citizen journalists covering the pandemic amid the 2020 Wuhan lockdown. But since then, his whereabouts have stayed unknown. Recent evidence suggests that Beijing could have handed down a three-year sentence against him. Here's more. This document was filed on April 7, 2022, with the CCP's Political and Legal Affairs Commission. The organization oversees the state judicial system and law enforcement and plays a key role in the regime's crackdown on dissidents. As a means of its authoritarian rule, the CCP sets up a variety of such leadership committees to intervene in decision-making at all levels of government. In an early video investigating the lockdown in Wuhan, Fang Bing captured a shocking scene. In it, a hospital moved eight bodies in just five minutes. He also called on social media to push nationwide resistance to the tyranny of the Chinese Communist Party. In another video released in February 2020, Fang paid tribute to the late Dr. Li Wenliang. The whistleblower faced scrutiny for sounding an early alarm about COVID-19. Fang also mentioned Cheng Chuxi, a then-missing human rights lawyer and citizen journalist. His video offered an unfiltered glimpse of the pandemic in Wuhan. Fang Bing explained why he insisted on reporting the truth despite threats from the authorities. Fang was soon arrested and has not been seen since. Sources say Fang Bin will be released in late April, but his family say they never even received a verdict. Besides Fang, three more citizen journalists were also detained for exposing the outbreak in Wuhan. One of them was sentenced to four years. In February, the U.S. Congressional Executive Commission on China responded to Fang Bing's arrest. It urged Beijing to immediately release Fang, as well as others held for the same reason. This is not the first time he has been detained. Fang is also a Falun Gong practitioner. According to the U.S.-based Falun Dafa Info Center, he has been detained in a forced labor camp in 2001 because of his faith. His wife is currently imprisoned for her faith in Falun Gong. Their child's location is unknown. Repression is deepening in communist China, but acts of resistance continue in a variety of ways. Let's take a look. A video posted on Chinese social media Monday shows a woman protesting inside Tiananmen Square in the center of Beijing. She was heard chanting, down with the Chinese Communist Party. Police soon arrived on scene and arrested her. The woman's identity is still unclear, but Internet users commended her courage, calling her slogan the most powerful voice of our time. In another video, students at a college in east-central China's Hunan province joined a school ceremony earlier this month. They stood outside during a downpour while a school official spoke from under a canopy. 
When he mentioned facing the storm alongside the students, the crowd began calling for him to come out from under the canopy's cover. The speaker continued, but was again cut off. The video quickly gained traction on Chinese social media. Artificial intelligence will pose new risks to the Chinese Communist Party. That's the word from experts about the recent wave of generative AI. To use it, simply type in a prompt, and the AI programs generate text, images, or video. So what's the problem? Here's a closer look. The CCP has created the world's most restrictive censorship regime, so it matters a lot to Beijing what information the AI generates. China was ranked as the world's worst abuser of internet freedom eight years in a row by the organization called Freedom House. They censor political dissent as well, religion, media, and entertainment. We talked with former U.S. intelligence official Michael Sikora, who believes the CCP will have a tremendously difficult time trying to censor during the age of generative AI. As the system continues to grow, even if you limit the information it has, it's still going to come to the same logical conclusions about communism, about freedom, about all these other things. So if that's what the system does, even if it's regulated in terms of input, how are they going to you know, punish people who have the system which comes to that conclusion? Generative AI is unpredictable. Not even the people who created it know exactly what's going to come out. But the CCP is aggressively tackling this problem. It's the first country to put out comprehensive regulations on generative AI, currently still in draft form and open to comment. It says the content that AI generates must reflect, quote, socialist core values, that it must not subvert state power or overturn the socialist system or incite separatism. These are the first rules in the draft. Also, the CCP says the organizations that provide these AI services must submit security assessments to the government. And if anything goes wrong, these organizations will bear responsibility for the content that comes out. If any content is found to be illegal, penalties may be imposed in accordance with the law. But intelligence official Michael Sikora says this won't be easy. Punishing people in terms of what, what they put into it, how they use it, is going to be more and more difficult as the system continues to evolve and come up with conclusions and indications and solutions that doesn't line up with Chinese policies. The CCP says it's still gathering comments from the public and will finalize the rules after that. The date the rules will be implemented has not been announced yet. Coming up, a look at nuclear threats in Asia. To deter nuclear communist-controlled North Korea from exercising its warheads, the U.S. is said to send nuclear-armed submarines to South Korea. That's the announcement this week from the White House. Rick Fisher, a senior fellow on Asian military affairs at the International Assessment and Strategy Center, breaks down China's role in North Korea's rising nuclear arms and how the U.S. is facing off against it. More on that after the break, here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Topping the news right now, a U.S. move not seen in decades. 
Washington now sending nuclear-armed submarines to South Korea. President Biden announced the decision Wednesday while meeting his South Korean counterpart. It's part of the country's joint effort to deter nuclear threats from communist-controlled North Korea. NTD Good Morning spoke to Rick Fisher, a senior fellow on Asian military affairs at the International Assessment and Strategy Center. He discussed the risks in the region. China's role in North Korea's rising nuclear arms, and what the next steps are for the U.S. going forward. Rick, good morning. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Tiffany. So with this announcement yesterday between Biden and his South Korean counterpart to dock a nuclear-armed submarine for the first time in over 40 years in South Korea to deter North Korea, North Korea what do you make of this? What is the significance here? Tiffany, 40 years when we occasionally docked a, a nuclear ballistic missile submarine in a South Korean port as a symbol of deterrence. Uh, the United States had tactical nuclear artillery shells, tactical nuclear bombs on uh, in South Korea. Uh, we had uh, nuclear weapons stationed in Japan and in Guam. Uh, and North Korea had no nuclear weapons. North Korea only had the vague assurance from Russia and uh, barely from China that uh, there would be nuclear retaliation in the case of uh, uh, an American use of nuclear weapons. Today, the balance is completely reversed. North Korea has multiple uh, intercontinental ballistic missiles to uh, strike the United States and has just revealed that it is now building eight, eight different tactical nuclear weapons. Uh, President Yoon wanted the de redeployment of American tactical nuclear weapons to South Korea. And that is exactly what was needed to increase our deterrence of North Korea and China. Uh, it is time for the United States to revive its tactical nuclear arsenal, its regional nuclear arsenal, and that is how we deter war on the Korean Peninsula and on the Taiwan Strait. And Rick, given this shift in balance, what has changed over the years? What is maybe China's role in all of this? In my opinion, uh, China has been intimately involved with North Korea over the last 15 years, turning that just sorry, awful state into a nuclear missile power. Uh, it has just tested an ICBM, a solid fuel ICBM, that in my opinion is probably a copy of a Chinese ICBM. And for the last decade, the United States really has not sanctioned China for what in essence is a uh, very hostile act against the United States, arming North Korea with nuclear weapons technology and missile technology. And given all these movements and aggressions in that region particularly, how likely is there for an actual nuclear war? There is more a potential for a nuclear incident, uh, for North Korea either testing a large nuclear weapon in the atmosphere, or perhaps uh, a, a, even a tactical nuclear strike against South Korea that would then divert the United States so that China would have a freer hand to invade Taiwan. Uh, that's the real danger here. 
And that's why the United States needs to redeploy tactical nuclear weapons to South Korea to truly deter, to truly assure the North Korean government that if they use their nuclear weapons, they will be obliterated. That is really, uh, it's, it's, it's a Neanderthal level of logic, but we're dealing with Neanderthals in North Korea. Well, Rick Fisher, thank you so much for your time this morning. Thank you, Tiffany. That's all for today's China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocus at ntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow.